But anyway, we're continuing in our Revolutionary Way series. I'm excited for what we're getting into today. Um, because I didn't give scriptures up on top, maybe if I mention, oh, we got it. Yes. Can we give it up for Mel Mejico and the media squad up there? Yes. Thank you, Mel. Stepping up. Appreciate that. Um, so for those of you, we can prepare our hearts. We're going to be Back in Matthew, again, Sermon on the Mount, the longest sermon Jesus ever preached. Uh, we're starting in verse 31 today, or Trentayuno for those bilingual people who know Spanish, yes. Um, so Matthew 5, 31, um, and as we're kind of preparing our hearts, um, again, I'm just going to lift us up in prayer, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, thank you that we are a group that is not about I come for the worship, or I come for that girl, I come for that guy, I come for the food, I come for the video games. Lord, I pray that we come for you. Lord, I pray that it's not about the songs we sing, or the instruments that are up on stage, or the small group leader we have, or the room we meet in, or the comfortable chairs we do or don't have. Lord, I pray it's about you. And that, Lord, we only come to gather in this place to seek you, not to just merely seek fellowship, not just merely to seek uh, just being around you. We want to be with you. We want to encounter you. So Lord, my prayer is for these students that they see you tonight. That Lord, they hear you tonight. And that Lord, you can speak to them directly right now through a whisper. Lord, you can speak to them through the scripture that's about to be uh, said. But Lord, you can speak to them through someone in their small group or their small group leader. Lord, I pray we don't miss your voice. So often, Lord, we channel our mind into, Lord, the Lord can only talk to me this way or Jesus can only talk to me in this condition. But Lord, I pray we break free of that, that box that we put you in and that, Lord, we recognize that you can speak to us whenever, wherever you want. But here's the question, are we ready to listen? If the Lord convicts us, if we are convicted, are we going to listen or are we just going to tune you out? Lord, I pray that you meet us and that, Lord, our answer is we want to listen, that we want to seek your face, that we want to follow you rather than, no, 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 I'll come back to that. No, 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 that's too much. Lord, may our heart and our attitude be we want to grow in the knowledge of the Lord. Thank you for these students. Thank you for this time and all of God's family said, amen. All right. We're going to jump into Matthew 31, Matthew chapter 5, 31. And for those of you who like to flip ahead, I know, you know, like when preachers, like they say, okay, we're in Matthew, and then we're going to go to Psalms, then we're going to jump to Hebrews, okay? I'm going to give you a hint, and I think it's on your uh, guide there you have, Judges chapter 11. We're going old school tonight. So we're going to start in Matthew 5, we're going to jump over to Judges. And as you guys are doing that, I have a little story for you. Um, so for those of you who don't know, this is just my night job. I have a day job as well. Um, I am a high school math teacher. So high schoolers, any high schoolers in the room? Only half the hands raised, question mark, okay. Um, how many of you love math? How many of you have a tougher relationship with math? How many of you have a YouTube page? Okay, how many of you go on YouTube is what I meant to say. How many of you know that this math teacher has a YouTube channel? <laughs> Those are a few of my subscribers. Mash that like button. Keep mashing that like button. Okay. Anyway. Um, so I'm a math teacher, and at, you, you would, in my math classroom, rarely do I get concerns about, like, I don't understand how to take the derivative of a trigonometric function. I rarely get that question. 
because my students are so sharp, they just get it. The thing I get the question the most about is like the policy in the classroom. Like, how many times can I be tardy before I get to the tension? How, how late is late? How many missing assignments before you call home? Like, they, th those are the questions they want to know. They don't want to know, like, how do I do this math? How do I uh, find the missing angle of a right triangle? They don't, they don't want to know that stuff. They want to know, like, how close can I get to this line before I'm in trouble? How many of you guys play that game? Like, you, to you get as close as you can, and then you're like, no, 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 okay, I got too close, I'm gonna step back a little bit, okay? So I have a student, <clears throat> this shall remain nameless, I don't think he'll ever hear this or see this, but anyway, um, who is the student that has to go to the bathroom a lot. How many of you are that student or know of somebody who's that student? It's totally that, yeah, it's my neighbor, I never do that, okay. All right, so anyway, they're the, I have to go to the bathroom student. Now, my policy in my classroom is, you only leave if it's an emergency, okay? So here's what happens. The student stands up, I gotta go to the bathroom. Is it an emergency? Yes. Okay, you can go. And this is, I kid you not, every time. I, but this is like my policy, so like I can't like say, you're lying, I can't just like call him out in class like that. So here's what it is, it's an emergency, okay. Real emergency, he's like strutting like a model through the middle of the classroom. And then he stops and has like five conversations with students as he's walking for an emergency out of my classroom. So here's what happened. So I have a policy that I tell the students up front on the first day. If you have an emergency more than three times a semester, I'm going to assume you have a medical issue and I'm gonna call home about it. Ooh, okay. So this is the third time and it was only the like end of August, okay. So I call home, oh, I tell him I'm gonna call home. He's like, ugh, Mr. Schwant, you're being so extra. <laughs> like, no, like, so like, what I told him is, I'm concerned for your health. Like, honestly, you've had three emergencies. What's the deal? He's like, I gotta go. I'm like, well, have you been to a doctor? No. Uh, well, I'm gonna call home, and not that I'm gonna like say I'm a doctor or that you have to go see the doctor. I'm just gonna make sure your parents know you have these issues in class. Like, oh, that's gonna be so dumb. Your mom's gonna, my mom's gonna say you're so dumb. I'm like, great. She can call me stupid. She can call me names. She can call me good looking. I don't care. I'm gonna call home. And again, he walked out of the room. Oh, you're so extra, and just walked out. Okay, and so. I mean, that in the spirit of good fun, like, I honestly am concerned with the student, which, come to find out, call home, mom's like, why would he do that? I don't know, ma'am, that's, that's your son, I don't know what to say. Um, and so, he ended up did going to see the doctor, turns out there's no medical issue, in case you're wondering, and there hasn't been a problem since. How about that? So, praises that his bathroom issue is gone, praises. Okay. Um, now... The point of the story is, is that I'll never forget that phrase, and the, like when I heard it the first time, I was like, that's an interesting way of saying it. You're so extra, okay? Now, I, on, I was like, no, I'm more of a trident gum, gum kind of guy. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, but no, he said, I'm so extra, meaning like, you're being so exaggerative. Why are you going so far, right? Why don't you say, hey man, why don't you stop going to the bathroom? But like, I made the extra step of like saying, I'm gonna call home, okay? Now, I have my own reasons for doing that, but the reason I bring that story up is because Jesus addresses this issue with, again, the people who are listening to the Sermon on the Mount. So if you guys haven't been here for the whole series, let me kind of give you one key feature that, again, you should write down in your notes here. Jesus cares about the heart of the law 
and the heart of the people who follow. Jesus cares about the heart of the law and the hearts of the people that follow. Jesus cares about the hearts, the heart of the law and the hearts that follow him. So this idea that the Israelites, again, they've heard, do not steal, do not murder, do not commit adultery. And what they've done is they're like, well, okay, so if I don't steal, what you really mean is don't steal from good people. If I take this from bad people, if I'm a tax collector and I'm a part of the Roman government, I can just take a little extra for myself. And that's no big deal because that's what the Roman government says I can do. But again, is that stealing? But they would say, oh, no, 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 this is my job and that's what I get to do. That's my livelihood and that's, that's just what I do. So again, they started twisting this idea of do not steal to literally meaning if someone's walking with a goat, I shouldn't take their goat. And so they've made it very literal. And so there's this term that we sometimes use called legalism, right? We've made Jesus, we've made Christianity, we've made a relationship with God into this ritual of, I do this, I do this, I do this, I get this. I do this, I do this, I get this. I don't do this, I definitely get this. If I do that, hoo-hoo, I won't get that. We make it this comparison game of, check these boxes, you get this prize. And that's not what the relationship is meant to be. And one of the things that Jesus is tackling here in verse 31 is this idea of vows, okay? Now, I know what you guys are thinking, like vows, like usually that's like marriage stuff. And Jesus starts there, but then I want you to notice the interesting turn he takes. He talks about marriage, but then goes deeper and discusses everyone, kind of the sum sum. So verse 31, here we go. It has been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. What Jesus is saying is a married man in this time, again, if he divorces his wife, is like, yeah, she's really not doing it for me. Here's your certificate, goodbye. And then goes and says, oh, I want to marry this woman. Again, Jesus says, and only except for sexual immorality, but the men of the day said, no, 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 like I, she's not giving me what I want, she's not pleasing me, she's not doing this, she's not doing X, Y, Z. So they would just say bye and then move on. And they said that was okay, that was acceptable, that was the legalism of the, of the law. They said that was perfectly fine. They've been practicing this and they've known this. This is a part of the culture. But Jesus again gets to the heart of the rule. So these men didn't commit adultery according to their legalism, but Jesus gets to the heart of the law. It's not about, okay, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this? Okay, you can go marry someone else. Jesus says, if you divorce except for sexual immorality, You've made her a victim of adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So here's another big idea I want you guys to take with you, is that, and this is actually a proverb you can find. So a man, or a woman in this case, a man will determine his course, but the Lord determines his steps. The, a man will determine his course, but the Lord will determine his steps. Meaning, we make these lofty plans, right? Like, we want to do this. We want to have this job. We want to go to this college. And we say, this is where I want to go. But you know how in life, like, we, we say, I'm going to go this way, but then, like, something happens, right? 
Like you have your eye on the prize and then all of a sudden, oh, there's a cliff there. Whoopsies, didn't see that coming, right? And then there's all these bad things that happen to us. And we can all sit here and say, well, this is what happened to me. This is what happened to me. This is who did what to me. But the idea that I'm trying to get at is Jesus doesn't, Jesus wants you to focus on what he wants, not what you want. You want what's in the distance. You want to get over there. You want to get all the way to the end, right? No one likes to go through high school. I, I can't say, I, I mean, I've yet to meet a high school that has said this to me. They go to school every day saying, yes, this day, day number four of 1,242, I'm stoked. How many of you have ever said that? All right, I like that, good, good attitude. So the idea that you come in every single day ready to go. Most of us, by the time you're a senior, have this condition. How many of you have ever heard of the condition of senioritis before? Right? Some of you, again, you're like, hashtag struggle is real, right? It's, it's getting pretty hard. And the one thing you want more than anything is, when is graduation day? When is it all over? Right? You've gone through so much high school, and you don't want to go through the extra steps. You just want to get to the end. You want to be done. And that is just natural human fleshly desire. We don't want to have to go through those painful steps or those peaks and valleys. We'd rather just take a plane and coast on over and say, oh, I finally made it. And so, but we would miss, again, the steps the Lord has to take us to get there. Because a lot of us, I'm sure, again, like I said, all of us can come up here and say, this is what's happened to my life. I wanted to go here, but this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, this person disappointed me, this person broke up with me, this person let me down, this person made me cry, this person turned their back on me. We can all come up here with a story. And I would encourage you to be honest with your small group and maybe share that story. But a lot of us want to avoid those steps where that's where the Lord is working. That's where the Lord is planning your path. You would say, I want to go from A to B, shortest path possible. But God says, well, now I want to take you over here because we got to work on this. I got to take you over here because we got to work on this. We got to go over here because we got to work on your pride. We got to go over here to work on your patience. We got to go over here to work on your trust. We got to go over here to work on truth. And the Lord has a path planned for you that you couldn't have imagined. But a lot of us think, no, 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 I need, I need to get where I need to go right now, and I don't, need, I don't want to go through all those steps. So here's what happens, okay? It's so moving to verse 33. Again, you have heard it, that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. Again, very common. If you were married and you were a good Jewish person, you knew of the vows. You vowed to seek God. You vowed to stay truthful and faithful to your spouse. But I tell you, do not swear on an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. And the big takeaway I, as I was wrestling with this, as I was thinking about this, as God revealed to me, again, it came so perfectly, this idea of whose plan are you following? Who is really leading you? To the Christians in this room, we say, oh, God, God's in control. He's got the steering wheel. I'm all for it for him. 
But how many times have you actually sat in patience and waited on the Lord to guide your steps? Or how many are like, well, I'm going to kind of figure it out as I go. That's honestly, like if I were being honest of my high school life and even sometimes of my life right now, that's how I live. I don't want to wait for God. Like I have things to do and I have places to go and I want to get this done. So what do I do? In my own understanding, I say, I'm going to go this direction. Hopefully the Lord catches up. And if we're being honest in the room, maybe some of you feel that way. Like, I'm going to go this direction. I hope the Lord's with me. Or I hope he catches up because I, I, I got some great plans. But how many of us actually sit and wait upon the Lord and say, God, show me the way. Light my path so that I can step in faith and confidence that I'm going the right direction. Because a lot of us live in the reverse where we say, God, I'm going to hold my own flashlight. I'm going to go on my own path. Hopefully I don't fall, but hopefully you're going to stick out your hand and hold me when the, when the path ends. We kind of just run hoping that God will catch us rather than saying, God, you lead and I'll follow. We sing that a lot, but yet it's so hard to take in the practice. And so to this verse, what Jesus is saying is, don't make an oath, because here's usually what happens. We make a plan, right? I'm going to get straight A's in school. I'm going to get the greatest grades ever. I'm going to be the best athlete ever. And like you make these promises to yourself or to others, like by this time next year, I'm going to be the best on the team, right? That's your plan. That's your goal. But sometimes we get a little extra, right? It's not just good enough to say, I'm going to work hard. It's, well, because of this, or I swear that if this happens, that I'm going to do this. Usually when we make oaths and start swearing on things, it's because we're trying so hard to make our pride prosper. We're trying so hard to like, God, get on board with me. And you know what? You're going to make it happen because I swear on my mother's grave that I'm going to get here. And it clearly says in scripture, does the Lord want us to take an oath or swear by anything? The scripture makes it pretty clear that don't be extra. Right? He just says, wait for me, trust in, trust in me, have patience, have understanding that I will light your path, and... Let your yes be yes, let your no be no. Not, Lord, this is my plan, and I swear that if, if you give this to me, I will do X, Y, Z. The Lord doesn't ask for that. The Lord doesn't ask you to make these audacious claims. He just says, trust in me, have patience in me, remain in me. One of the most powerful things I've heard in the most recent weeks is when Chris Brown, how many guys know who Chris Brown is? One, he was a human speaker. He was here a few weeks ago, and he was talking about Jesus, when he was talking to the disciples during the Last Supper, he was sharing a parable about Jesus saying, I am the vine, you are the branches, remain in me and you will produce good fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But how many of us think, no, 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 like I have to be a strong branch and I don't need Jesus, like I'm gonna produce fruit all by myself, disconnected, and like, because that's what God wants. But what God is saying, no, remain in me, have patience in me, trust in me, rest in me. Let me take your yoke. Let me lighten your burden so that you can do great things through me, not you do great things outside of me. And so this idea that Jesus is trying to get at is that you don't need to be extra and say like, well, Lord, if you give me this, I swear that I'll give you this. If you give this to me, Lord, I'll give you all my money. If you give this to me, Lord, then I'll step up and do this. The Lord never asked for that. But some, somehow in our mind we say, well, if I do this, then I get this. If I say this, then I get this. 
we make God this like ATM. <laughs> if I put something in, I'll get something out. And that's not what God wants. That's not what God desired. So I want to end with this story. And this is going to kind of be a sort of a downer story here in Judges 11. So we're in Judges chapter 11. And we're going to start in verse 30. Okay, just a quick little synopsis. There's this guy, and he is, the Lord has given him uh, very good prosperity in battle, actually helping the Israelites not be in captivity of these enemy armies. But this is what this man does. He doesn't actually trust in God to deliver him again from this enemy. So he steps up in verse 30 and says this. And Jephthah made the vow to the Lord. If you give the Ammonites to my hands, whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me when I return in triumph of the Ammonites will be the Lord's, and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Right? He's like, God, if you give me this army, I will sacrifice the first thing that comes out my door. Right? What a powerful prayer. Oh, God, you better step up here. That's a big prayer. But to, again, that scripture, does God want him to make this oath or does he just say, you know what, God? The battle is yours. If I win, it's, in, it's your glory. If I lose, it's for your will. No, he says, God, give them to me and I will give you this. If I do this, you give me this. And you're like, what's the big deal, Rob? Okay, I'm going to jump to the end of the story. He is triumphant. He wins the battle. He goes back home in victory. What is the first thing that walks out of the door? Verse 34. When Jephthah returned from home, who should come out to meet him but his daughter? His only daughter, dancing to the sound of cymbals. She was the only child, except for her, he had neither son nor daughter. When he saw her, he, he tore his clothes and cried, Oh no, my daughter, you have brought me down and I am devastated. I made a vow to the Lord that I cannot break. Because what was his promise? The first thing that walks out of his door, he will make it a burnt offering to the Lord. And it's his daughter. And I sit here and say, okay, spoiler alert, I'll, I'll let you guys read on, but what ends up happening is he tears his clothes, he is distraught, right? He made this promise to God, this vow to God, and you're like, well, Rob, he's got to keep it. But did God ever ask him to make a vow? Or was that his pride saying, God, I don't know if you got this, but I'll make it extra. Let me beef up the deal. If you give me the army, if you let me defeat this army, if you let me defeat the struggle, if you let me get through this temptation, if you give me a friend, if you give me a husband, if you give me a wife, if you let me break this chain, then I'll give you this. But we do it backwards. And so what ends up happening in the story is he sends his daughter away saying, go be with your friends, go mourn with them because you'll die a virgin. She comes back in a couple weeks and he does it. And again, you might say, well, he's, he promised God. Some might say, well, why didn't he disobey? Why didn't he just, no daughter, that, I, that was a foolish decision on my part. But he made this vow and God never asked him to make it because God says over and over and over again that trust in me, remain in me, have patience in me. Not make this vow to me so that if you do this, then I'll give you this. If you do this, then I'll give you this. God just says, I will give you everything. Those who choose to lose their life 
will gain their life, is what Jesus says. And so many times we say, no, Lord, you need to get on my page. You need to get behind me. And what Jesus is saying is, don't be extra. <laughs> there's, there's no like formula to, well, you're a better Christian if you do these things. You're a better follower of Jesus if you do this. Or you're the worst if you go here. What Jesus wants is, be patient. But that's so hard. And that's why we have each other. That's why we rely on one another. That's why we have other believers. Look in the room. Look around you right now. Look around you right now. All these people in this room, I'm going to say boldly that they love Jesus. And if that's not true, let's talk about it tonight. If with, not with me or another adult in your small group. And look at, look, at, again, look at each other. Look at each other. Look at each eye in this room because we all want the same thing. Do you know what that is? To see Jesus, to love Jesus, to worship Jesus. That's, all, that's what we want. And again, what does that look like? We're discovering that each and every time we come into HSM. But don't be afraid to ask how. Don't be afraid to say, I'm struggling. Don't be afraid to say, I don't know what to do. Because a lot of times we throw up this face of, everything's good. <laughs> School's a little hard, but <laughs> it's all right. But really, you're going through one of the biggest struggles of your life. Divorce in your family. Drugs. Alcohol. Sex. And a lot of times we just throw up this front like everything's okay. What God wants is not for you to make a vow. He wants you to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to follow you. Yes, Lord, I trust in you. Yes, Lord, you have my life. So that's my challenge to you. Don't feel like you have to play this fancy game with God. Don't feel like you have to have this formula of how to pray. Don't feel like you have to do these things to get God's favor. Just start right now. And maybe this prayer I'm about to say is where you begin to fully understand that God loves you. Where you begin to understand that God wants the best for you. Where you begin to understand that it's not about your plans. It's about the Lord's path. It's not about your plans. It's about the Lord's path which is going to get messy, which is going to get dirty, which could be long, which may be inefficient to us A-types out there. But God has so much better for us. Heavenly Father, I pray for each one in this room. As we go into our small groups and as we dive into these scriptures and answer these questions, Lord, I pray that we understand that you don't want us to be here being these people of, well, if I do this, I get this. If I make this promise, then you'll fulfill this promise. Lord, all you've asked us to do is to be faithful, to be patient, to trust, and to remain. Lord, help us to understand that. Lord, help us to be examples for one another. Help these adults continue to pour into these students. Lord, help these students to encourage the adults. Lord, help us to be a family of believers that believes that you are working and that you are moving and that you are not dead, that you are a risen God, and that each and every day we have the chance to say thank you because of your sacrifice. So Lord, be with us tonight. Thank you, Lord, again for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for what you're gonna do in small groups. Thank you, Lord, for what you're gonna do on our campuses Thursday. And Lord, continue to speak truth. Continue to remain in us. Help us to seek your face. We love you, God. And all of God's family said, amen.